Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, joined with Guile. Hey, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast. I am also jo- joined with Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Oxford Splice on Twitter. Thank you both. As we delve into our reading of uh, Clash of Kings, we are reading Sansa 3. Um, spoilers all for whoever's listening right now and also trigger warnings for um, potential violence rape discussion Um, so this scene opens with the hound escorting Sansa to Joffrey Um, she's panicked and wondering why apparently there is news about her brother Rob and something he's done Um, Sansa hopes that it's not the death of Jaime Lannister because um, she knows if if it's that uh, she's dead um, on the way, uh, she's getting all these horrible breadcrumbs of Joffrey's cruelty. Um, there's this part with a, a dying cat that's had like an arrow shot through its rib cage. Uh, Dantos is there with like um, a broomstick horse. Most people ignore her uh, aside from Dantos, who whispers to her to be brave. Joffrey has Lancel tell Sansa uh, what has him so upset and it's that 3,000 Lannister men were killed while they slept and that the Northmen feasted on their flesh of the slain as they had warged into wolves. This is the report. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Joffrey points his crossbow at Sansa and then tells her that he's not forgotten about how her wolf attacked him and then you know she reminds him that uh, actually that was Arya's wolf (laughs) but you killed a lady anyway. And then he corrects her, your father did, and then brags about how he killed Ned and how he also um, killed beggars that were at the gates the night before asking for bread. What a guy. What a guy. Yeah, so he's like standing up there aiming his fucking crossbow at like Randall's walking by the castle. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine like Prince Charles outside of Buckingham (laughs) Palace with a crossbow like offing people. I mean... Like, there's a certain point that this is why we got guillotines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Joffrey is basically, like, why we have guillotines. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's it's awful. Like, starving people. What's that? I love the... I do love the image of Prince Charles with, like, a crossbow. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it'll be covered the next day in the Daily Mail. Oh, God. Like, and why it's Meghan Markle. Yeah, I was just going to add that it was probably somehow Meghan Markle's to blame. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> See, that's what Joffrey needed for PR. He needed a, well, maybe Sansa is like his Meghan Markle. Like, yeah. Sansa's to blame for everything. Clearly, oh, yeah. God. So that's basically what we're doing today. We're talking about Meghan Markle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So uh, he tells her that he'd kill her too, but his mom is worried about what they would do to his uncle Jamie. Uh, he then orders the hound to hit her, and Dantos volunteers um, and starts whacking her with this morning star that's made out of a melon. And, Which I feel like would still hurt. Uh, oh, yeah, it would. I mean, 
less so than a real morning star. But yeah, that would not be fun. So anyway, the melon breaks on Sans and she's like covered in all these sticky melon juices. And she's just like mentally just like begging for Joffrey to laugh and to be satisfied with this humiliation. Like, yeah. just this, I hope this is enough. And he, of course, is not. Uh, and then he orders Marin Tran and Boris Blount to beat her for real. And, you know, first up, Boris just gut punches her in the stomach. And then Trant beats her legs with his sword, whacking her repeatedly. And it's... I mean, can you imagine this shit? She's a 13-year-old girl. Yeah, no. And these, yeah, it's like, they're just, they're horrible. And it's yeah. a room full of people. That's the yeah. point, right? That, that's the point of this all taking place where but it does. Nobody's doing anything, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, two people do something. Well, three. There's only three decent people in this room, you know? Yeah. And it takes a lot for them to even say something. That's, yeah. you know, like it, there's points where it's like, yeah, they do they do say something eventually. But, like, I mean, the Hound is the first one. and He's just like, enough. And then Joffrey's like, no, it's not. And then he commands um, his guards to make her naked. And uh, I think it's Boris or is it Trant? One of them. Anyway, they rip her dress open and, you know, she's trying to cover herself. And and then Joffrey orders that the beating resume. And uh, it's at this point that we have Tyrion interrupting um, this nasty scene. And I did just kind of select this moment. What is the meaning of this? The imp's voice cracked like a whip, and suddenly Sansa was free. She stumbled to her knees, arms crossed over her chest, her breath ragged. Is this your notion of chivalry, Sir Boris? Tyrion Lannister demanded angrily. His pet sellsword stood with him, and one of his wildlings, and one the one with the burned eye. What sort of knight beats helpless manes? The sort who serves his king imp, Sir Boris, raised his sword, and Sir Marin stepped up beside him, his blade scraping clear of its scabbard. Careful with those, warned the dwarf's sellsword. You don't want to get blood all over those pretty white cloaks. Someone give the girl something to cover herself with, the imp said. Sander Clegane unfastened his cloak and tossed it at her. Sansa clutched it against her chest, fists bunched hard in the white wool. The coarse weave was scratchy against her skin, but no velvet had ever felt so fine. So, some nice sand uh, sand um, imagery there, you know, her getting his cloak again, which, you know, she, you know, off, you know, she has this cloak later on, obviously, yeah. when she's, in, when she's um, leaving the veil, but. I just wanted to comment on this thing. Like, oftentimes in fandom, there's this whole, the Lannisters, you know, are the evil, the worst. And, you know, it's both Tyrion and Jamie who immediately see through this bullshit of the Kingsguard. You know, Tyrion's kind of making the same argument that Jamie later, you know, later kind of codifies when he's the Lord Commander about, like, honor and service is not serving the king. You know, there's a higher... There's something yeah. higher than that, that they, that they need to be held to. And, you know, I, I, even that, like, I just like, what kind of people like Marin Tran and Boros Blunt, like, <laughs> like what's wrong with you that, you know, beating a third, like, Oh, our King commanded, we beat up a 13 year old girl. Like, okay. They wanted to tell your right. They wanted to I mean, thank you. That's exactly it. They wanted to, it was fun for them to beat, 
to beat her up and have apparently everyone in this room cheering them on, you know, pieces of shit. I mean, yeah, well, I I think (laughs) that's, I mean, they're shitty people who under a better leader would have been mediocre people. And now they've got no holds barred. They can be as cool as they want to. They don't have to think about it. It's fun for them. They're rewarded for it. Yeah, that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tyrion uses Ares Targaryen as an example of what happens to kings who do as they like. Um, Boris tells Tyrion, uh, no man threatens the king in the presence of the king's guard. And Tyrion gives a quick lesson on education versus threats. And uh, he threatens him and commands Bronn and (laughs) Timot to kill Boris if he opens his mouth again. He tells Joffrey cruelty will not win him the love of the people. And Joffrey tells him fear is better than love. That's what Mama says. You know, like it's such a moment of, he's such a twit. And uh, Tyrion just responds with like pity Stannis and Renly weren't 12 year old girls because yeah, it's only, you know, look at who you're, you're striking fear into the heart of here. Yeah. I mean, emotionally they are, but you know, <laughs> Uh, see, Tyrion commands Bronn and Timot to take uh, Sansa to the Tower of the Hand. And, you know, she hasn't been there since, you know, everything went down with her father. And she's getting bathed and her wounds are treated. And she's given dream wine to help her sleep. And, you know, she does sleep. But then when she awakes, it's like pain. And this is where she cries because it just all comes flooding back. What kind of day she's had. Um, she wants to go to the Godswood to find Dantos to beg him to take her, like, immediately. Um, she is blocked and told that she's not allowed to leave. <clears throat> Tyrion visits her a little bit later and tells her that, you know, she is his guest, not his prisoner, then recounts Rob's victory on his uncle Stafford Lannister, scoffing at Lancel's version of events, citing his uncle's failures instead calling the claims of sorcery the sauce fool's spoon over failure to hide flaws. Uh, Tyrion asks Sansa how she um, feels for Joffrey. And, you know, she's like, this is a trick. And (laughs) she she sure as hell isn't going to tell him the truth and repeats the same, love him, he's the best, (laughs) etc. Tyrion just laughs and tells her he doesn't intend them to marry. Um, Clearly too much has gone on for that to work at this point. (laughs) Yeah, probably not going to be a successful marriage. Yeah. (laughs) He also tells her of an upcoming battle. This time it will be with Tywin in charge. So, you know, he advises her to pray for Rob to bend the knee. Then he can send her home to Winterfell. He offers to keep her at the tower for the night and one of the stone crows can guard and she thinks of, you know, her lies pretty quick here, knowing if she stays there in the tower, she'll not be able to go to the godswood and Dantos. And then just to close us out, I have, I would sooner return to my own bed. A lie came to her suddenly, but it seemed so right that she blurted it out at once. This tower was where my father's men were slain. Their ghosts would give me terrible dreams, and I would see their blood everywhere I lo- wherever I looked. Tyrion studied her face. I am no stranger to nightmares, Sansa. Perhaps you are wiser than I knew. Permit me to at least escort you to safely back to your own chambers. 
And that closes us out for that chapter. I thought it was heartbreaking when she wakes up and realizes that she was in what was Arya's room. And it's yeah. probably, you know, just one of the first times that she's, you know, like all of Arya's things were gone, obviously, because they had packed up, you know, thinking that they were leaving. But still like that, you know, I'm sure there's still a sense of her presence in that room to her, you know, and just all of the emotional baggage that goes along with that, along, you know, with everything else for Sansa. Could be so well, traumatic. Be- so traumatic. She was there right i mean she'd been locked in her room and even though she doesn't want to like when we read her chapter a while back when all that was going on like she was trying she does a lot of like that you know the let's bury it away let's not deal with it but it's there you know no matter how much you sublimate or i don't know that's the right word but it's it's there it's gonna poke out at some point and kill you you know or yeah, and I mean, I, you know, it, it it is barely a lie, obviously, what she tells Tyrion, because it's not like these are just faceless servants of her father. I mean, these are know, people Sept- she grew up with. Right, and, you know, Septimordain, someone who she was obviously, like, really close to, you know, so just, you know, that, you know, being in that tower at all had to be, you know, and she's probably so traumatized that, like, this extra bit of trauma, yeah, you know, maybe not too much in the scheme of things, but. You know, it's not good, that's for sure. I thought it was funny how Tyrion's already ripping on Stafford Lannister, too, who I feel like every time he's mentioned just is like, you know, that buffoon, comma, Stafford Lannister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Tyrion's kind of, um, you know, Tyrion definitely at this point, he thinks that there's a, he thinks there's a diplomatic, um, he thinks there's a diplomatic solution to the the war with Rob. And I feel like, you know, there should have been. Like, I don't know how else to say that. Like, it seems like it would have been politically very, you know, politically pretty easy for, you know, a prisoner exchange, a, you know, quasi Stark kingship in the north that would have allowed Tywin to, you know, rob to save face, essentially. Um, get you know get Sansa back and have Tywin concentrate on the Baratheons that would have made sense for everyone and it's hard to understand maybe why that didn't happen I think go ahead yeah sorry I think the fact that you have Cersei and Joffrey is why that wouldn't work like I think like I think if you if you didn't have Joffrey maybe you had or if Joffrey was like not an unhinged twit Maybe. Or if Tywin was in King's Landing, like forcing it down Joffrey's throat, maybe. But after everything that's gone down, I don't see that happening. You see, I have another perspective. I actually think Rob is probably to blame for why that could not happen. Because there's like, you know, you have a young man whose father was, you know, killed, uh, murdered, and then he's how how do you how do you get over that how do you, you've raised armies yeah. to you know get your well, justice and like just the starks being the starks there's they're pretty if they got to keep half the riverlands would that have been enough like enough yeah but i mean I, I, to... it feels like the riverlands are almost like poland they've been invaded so much they've yeah. been they've been literally raped and i mean destroyed Sounds like they're going through salting the earth. Like at this point, 
the diplomatic solution was a while back. And I don't, I think between Rob, I think you're right, Lot. I think Rob is a, a factor, but between Rob and Joffrey and everything that's gone on, plus you have all of these, like, you know, you've got the liege lords and whatnot who are all doing their own gaming, you know, game playing, and who have been forced to basically, you know, pack up, leave their homes. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot. Or, it, it's yeah. a lot to have to, like, you need, I don't know, I was going to say you need Jimmy Carter throwing them in a room together, and I don't see that happening. Yeah. I think I get if Tywin had thought there was any kind of offer that could have been made to just like make this go away he would have done it um but i don't think there is Which, any offer that could have been yeah. made to rob i mean he yeah. would have taken i mean i guess like if if ned had been on his way to the wall that's the only like that would have been the yeah ned yeah Jamie done I, I think right. that could have happened i mean at that yeah. point that could have worked because they like, you know not enough Ned, blood had been shed. It was like, but I, I think Ned, they're too late. That's like, and I think Tyrion is being real optimistic in what he's offering Sansa, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, Tyrion must get, like, he must get a little bit more realistic about it because, you know, he wouldn't have gone through that elaborate escape plan for Jamie if he thought there was a diplomatic solution. Like, yeah. You know, at that, that point, he must have been pretty like, well, there's not really hope for it. Because that's a pretty, you know, pretty wild plan to try to put together that, you know, was more than likely to get Jamie killed than get him released, honestly. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, like, you know, it seems like there should have been a better way for all of this to get resolved. Damn you. Damn you, George R.R. Martin. <laughs> Is there um, any mail for this episode? Yeah, um, we have two questions from Buck O'Hare on the Discord. I think the first one we've maybe dealt with, uh, which is why are the King's Guards so pathetic here? Yeah, I think we kind of covered that. They yeah. just got less, like lesser men in a position of power that are sadistic assholes. So. Um, and the last one, those uh, we definitely haven't talked about. Um, could Sansa and Tyrion ever work for you as a ship? Um, that's a big old no for me, but I don't know. Others may have a different thought. I think only if you, you had Sansa in a way and you could have Sansa kind of resigning herself to it, you know, maybe in some empowerment and opportunity for her to be empowered. Um, by, I guess, essentially using Tyrion. <laughs> well, I could get behind that and then maybe killing him. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that if Sansa had shown Tyrion any kind of regard or could have had any kind, any kind of regard, whether actually honestly or fake, he probably would have fallen in love with her and, you know, been fairly decent to her because I think he's so like affection starved. Um, so it, you know, I don't, I think he could have, I think Tyrion, gosh, Tyrion could be a decent husband for someone, but he would have to have constant reassurance all the time. Yeah. And, you know, you would be like 
walk. It would be like walking on eggshells around him. Like, I just don't think he's capable of like a healthy romantic relationship. And, you know, I wouldn't wish that for Sansa. Like, and Sansa's got, and, and Sansa, I think, you know, if Tyr- it's not that Tyrion's ugly, that he's a dwarf. It's that Tyrion is kind of a terrible person that I don't think that she could, I think it's, you know, I don't think she could love him. I think it's that. I think it's like, we know that there are Lannister characters like Jamie that have, are decent, you know, or, or have great qualities to them. But for her, these are the people that are basically right. butchering her entire family or causing them to be in situations. Well, yeah. And Tyrion has great qualities. He's just so, you know, he's so, he's so misogynistic. Right. And he's so damaged that I just don't think that, uh, you know, a romantic relationship is where he's going to shine, you know? Well, and he's more than twice her age and she's 12. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess, like, if we were doing some sort of thing where there was the time jump or we were coming back 10 years later when she was closer to being, well, she'd be an adult at 22 or something, I but could I maybe think, see yeah. it working in a weird thing. And I have put her with some scary people I in just, fanfic, so. I just <sighs> think their best case scenario is, like, a working relationship mm-hmm. where she's kind of using him. Yep. Yeah. And that's probably as, you know, I mean, obviously, like, I mean, I kind of ship Sander and Sansa, but I, you know, and the Hound certainly has his issues as well, but I don't think he's fundamentally incapable of a romantic relationship. Like, I think he could, because his issues are not so specific to, or, you know, among his many issues, I feel like a role, you know, I feel like a relationship isn't necessarily like, what his problems are, whereas, you know, Tyrion at 100% is. So I feel like maybe that could work, but yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes down to it for Sansa, like of all of her many options, it does seem like Willis is probably, you know, number one, those ponies and the boats and the puppies. Like, yeah. (laughs) I got to ask though, how do you figure the hound doesn't have relationship issues? (laughs) What are you basing that on? <laughs> I just I comparatively, mean, like, well, he's great. He's really I, well adjusted. No, <laughs> I just mean like romantic. Like he doesn't. We've never seen him like in a romantic relationship. It's not like he specifically has issues with women. He has specific issues with you know his brother. His brother. And we know he had a sister who you know. Well, we know he had a sister that he seemingly was pretty close to. It seems like. Well, so he I also has yeah, an extremely jaded worldview, and I imagine that would also. Yeah, but I think his issues are not specifically with women, and I think that many of Tyrion's issues are specifically with women, which I think yes, gives yeah. Sander a bit of a, you know, a bit more of a chance. Yeah, and he's younger. Well, no, actually, he and Tyrion, I think, are the same age. I think they're both like around twenty-five or something like that. So, yeah, I again. Not great options, clearly, but, but you know, yeah. given given everything, I, I feel like I'd go for Sander for her over Tyrion. I mean, I can't, you know, and it's like fan fiction Tyrion, 
you know, none of us have, I don't think any of us are so dark that we, we portray him, you know, the way that George does. Fan fiction, Tyrion. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. And Sansa He's... as a modern power couple. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I could. Yeah. I don't know. And then just thinking like Sansa playing the long game and getting her revenge one by one because like their children, if let's say, you know, yeah. let's say Joffrey doesn't have children or dies and then. You know, it would be their children, would it not? So how? No, how would or, this work? No, it wouldn't work. <laughs> or better yet, would be like you'd have to kill um, Tommen and Marcella. Yeah, and Jamie. Well, I was saying this. My and Sansa in kid. this fanfic would be playing that long oh, game. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Or even just like the son, the Sansa and Tyrion son, like supplanting, you know, Cersei's children yeah. in Tywin's eyes would be like enough, just so like they yeah. were the favored grandchildren, and you know how much that would piss everyone off. Corporate buyout, yeah, yeah. No, you guys I are going mod AU. Why do you gotta do that? Because <laughs> I, I feel like the power. I actually have the mod. Yeah, I have like. 15,000 words. I was going through some files. I have 15,000 words of a, a Sansa has to marry somebody else, like, canon fic. And I was like, no, no, bad comma. No, no come on, Patreon exclusive, everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who did she have to marry? I had it. I had her marrying Tywin, actually, because that's oh, how this I was. not a shock. <laughs> it's like you I had a 50 50 shot guile <laughs> well i've never i think i've only ever once done a thing with her and Tyrion, and it wasn't like a positive kind of relationship it was like a thick light or something well i mean of all of the lannisters like you know well i mean she lancel's a dick until he gets until he almost dies and then he seems to like you know, find find the Lord basically. Then he's scary. He's a, a dick in this chapter. Different way. <laughs> yeah, he's a dick in this chapter. And I mean, you know, Tywin and Sansa. I mean, Tywin's certainly a misogynist as well, but you know. Yeah, I well, <laughs> I should share it with you, and you can read it and tell me. <laughs> if you share it with me, I'm game. immediately putting it on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no. The son of, like, the children of Tywin and Sansa versus Cersei's children. Now, that would be, um, or actually not even Cersei's children. Cersei, Tyrion, and Jaime versus the children of uh, Tywin and Sansa would be interesting. <laughs> mm. But I don't, you know, poor, poor Salsa, as they say. Poor Salsa. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Salsa alone. <laughs> All right. It's I, true. If anything unites the Song of Ice and Fire fans, it's our need to ship Sansa with like even the most absurd, <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> most <laughs> random, like, obscure. Sansa Jack and Agar. Like, hey, Ooh. he smells good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he set that bar pretty high in this world. <laughs> yeah. He was looking for a Stark sister. <laughs> Unfortunately, he got the wrong one. Wrong but one, Sparks yeah. flew. Oh my god, yeah. I kind of like it. Oh, okay. We went from a Sansa Tyrion ship uh, speculation and like, no, I'm solidly on board. I'm with Jack and Hagar and Sansa. That one I want to read. All right. I'll have to check that out on AO3, huh? <laughs> Alrighty. I think that's it, yeah? 
that's all the mail we got. Alrighty. Thank you for sending that in. Um, we love getting messages. So you can do that at close the door end at gmail.com. You can also message us on Tumblr, uh, Twitter at door podcast. Um, the, there's a whole whack of places to find us. Um, you can also support us on Patreon. If you can't do that, we really appreciate you liking, um, subscribing wherever you listen, and of course, leaving us yummy reviews. Um, That's going to be it for us. So I'm going to close the door. Get out.